Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. Hello from Temple Bar, Dublin. That opening track was North Star Rise by Lisa Lamb. And on this week's podcast, well, we're delighted to be talking to one of Ireland's finest singers and actors. It is the woman herself, Lisa Lamb. Lisa, wonderful talking to you today. Kieran, how are you doing? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing well, I must say. We're thrilled that you joined us on the podcast here because you are very busy at the moment. Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been great, um, although very challenging and uh, on a daily basis, I suppose, uh, moving with the tide as such um, within our global pandemic. But um, I suppose with, with the album Juniper, um, it came out in April, which was during uh, this this new reality that we're all um, uh, facing together. Um, so it's been it's been different to what I imagined for the album, uh, certainly as a starting point. But it has certainly been very busy, and um, it's been great to see it um, still having a trajectory and a journey. Um, and I, I, I'm delighted to say that it's launching now over in the UK uh, at the moment uh, during the month of September. So yeah, it's it's alive and well, and uh, the music is still doing its thing, which is great. And you're still doing your thing. Actually, uh, you introduced Juniper to the Irish audience back in the Pepper Canister Church at Tradfest this year uh, in January. So little did we know at that time what was ahead of us. Kieran, that was one of the most special performances um, I've, I, I've ever done, I think. You know, I think, that, you know, Tradfest is such a magical, magical, magical um, event to be part of and this year was very special for me to be able to launch the music um, on an Irish platform and in such a prestigious festival and at a beautiful venue um, we had a, a packed sold out house and uh, absolutely little did we know that that would be the sort of the first and sort of uh, you know the last of the of the, of the live performances that Juniper would have this year um, with, with like with full audiences and and, and it, you know it was really really special though to look back and and to remember a night like that with uh, such an incredible band as well uh, part of the show. Oh no, it was a fantastic night and a beautiful venue to have that wonderful concert. I want to talk to you about Juniper, but we'll do that maybe just a little later because I mentioned there you're one of Ireland's favourites. You're also one of Dublin's favourites because you're an actual dub yourself. Tell us about your Dublin roots. That's right, yeah. I'm um, definitely I'm a, I'm a Dublin girl. I'm the youngest of 10 children. Um, grew up in Fairview on the north side. Um, and uh, my my family, I suppose, are my brothers especially, and my dad are huge GAA uh, supporters and lovers and fanatics. And um, so I, I've grown up in a in a in a, in a very uh, GAA household, I think <laughs> you could say. Um, and so yeah, it, we're we're all still pretty much here in Dublin. Um, and you know that's been lovely during these times as well that we're all so close. Um, yet apart, I suppose, in these days. But it's been it's been lovely to be able to um, I suppose, you know, know your family is is around you in these very challenging times as well. Your dad, of course, is a, a legendary figure locally. When you seen as you mentioned the GAA, I met him in his local GAA club not that long ago, actually. 
<laughs> that's right my dad is a legend in his own right um he's an amazing man and uh you know i i, I just every day he's he's kind of a ray of sunshine he's a bit of an enigma and uh, my dad but he's yeah he's a huge supporter um of ga and his local club is st vincent's ga club and um that night was really really special he had a ball uh, up in the club um w with your show and of course meeting john sheehan was was one of his favorite moments and um i i, I think they share a very similar birthday as well so they were delighted to have the chats together and um, they're both 80 this year so that was that was great for them both to get a chance to kind of raise a glass and uh, talk about all the local history of Marino and all, all, all of that. It was really cool. Yeah, really I was cool. talking to John quite recently, actually. He's in great order, I can say that for sure. Oh, another, I'm glad to hear. Another man that's been busy, actually, because he brought out an album himself a little earlier this year. Now, that night in Vincent's, what we did the programme there and it was great crack and it was uh, before the All-Ireland football final a couple of years ago and everybody was in great form. You couldn't be there because you were at a show in the Abbey. That's right, yeah. So, um, although it's not too far away from, from St. Vincent's, yeah, that's right, I was on stage at the Abbey Theatre that night, um, which, you know, is has become such a, I suppose, you know, Again, you know, you look back on the on 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 twenty nineteen alone. Um, I did three performances there, three different shows. Um, so it was a really busy year theatrically, and it was fantastic. Um, and such diverse pieces. Uh, you know, e each piece was so different to the next. So, it was a a wonderful, I suppose, continuation of the craft and the, you know, all all that you learn as an artist. You know, you have to be, um yeah, it's it's like acting particularly is is a muscle that you have to you have to constantly like train and and use and and you're never you're never not learning so it, it was it's been brilliant to be there and uh, to have that connection with the abbey theater was very special i saw i saw you were in jimmy's hall that was 2019 yeah that's right yeah jimmy's hall was you know a really particularly amazing experience it was so immersive for all the performers as well and um, right from the first day of rehearsals we were you know we were building this 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 movement, I think, within within the show, um, as a collective, as a group, um, you know, the, the the singing, the dancing, and the script work. I mean, all of it is is was just completely, you know, it was such a living, breathing, beautiful, beautiful experience. And it was what was amazing with that show as well was to see how the audiences reacted to it. Uh, you know, there was people in the aisles dancing. There was people crying in the audiences you know and it was it was just very very special i think to tell such an amazing story but to do it on our national stage um with with an amazing team was, was really special when you were performing there that was the reason that you couldn't get to the gaa club that night we went up to see you beforehand you sang a most beautiful uh, traditional song oh uh, thank you yeah. oh it was a stunning piece which I hadn't expected. We were expecting something maybe from one of your albums or whatever, but this was something very, very special. Where does that love for the, the traditional folk ballad come from? I think it's always been with me. Um, I think since my days as a student in Trinity, um, I've always had a love of song and I've a huge curiosity and a huge um, attraction to our roots, um, our folklore roots and where our storytelling comes from and where our, our music comes from and those old songs particularly really move me um and I always want to try and get in behind the fabric of them and and, and feel them and I, I think they're just 
I feel very connected to them and you know I, I think you know when you get to do something like that that song was a storm McCree and uh, to translate that into a into a, a play that's allowing you that moment to sort of um convey a huge amount of emotion in the scene as well um it's it's particularly it's very specific but it's very 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 uh rewarding and and uh, I, I feel you know I feel really lucky to be a singer and to be able to sort of use that side of my craft on stage as well um in in theater as such it's kind of it's really special you know so i have i have these amazing memories um already you know that i that i'm pondering over uh, in these lockdown days and uh, i do feel very grateful for all that i've been that i've been doing of late uh, for the likes of a storm McCree, did you learn it for the show or was it always part of your repertoire it was definitely a song i knew and when we were in rehearsals with with graham mclaren our director um uh, we were we were looking through kind of the old Irish songbook and there was loads of options. There was I was I was humming Slán Lamai as well and uh, Storm McCree of course and you know the rehearsal room was fantastic. It was such a, a a playground of of possibility I would say and um, so you know on different days I would try different pieces but that was the one that certainly landed most I think to convey what was happening at that particular moment in the play and what the climax of the story was trying to tell. It sort of did all that. Um, it was the song that closed uh, the end of Act One, so it was a, a nice big climactic moment um, with song and everybody coming out on stage. So that was really special. And again, to have you there to capture it was, was, was brilliant, of course. Well, the beauty about it for me was I was sitting on my own uh, in, in, in the Abbey Theatre listening to this amazing song. So I was I was curious, actually, since that day to know where, you know, where you got that love or where, where that song might have come from or how it found its way into your repertoire. I just thought it was the most beautiful piece of work, I must oh. say. Now, you recorded your first album, Hiding Away, in Nashville, and it was described as Nashville-infused country folk. Your second one, which is the album that you just brought out this year, Juniper, that was recorded in the wilds of Donegal, although it was put together in Connemara. So has it a Connemara-infused country folk, or what is the background to that? <laughs> so, um, well, with Juniper, um, it was a, a, it's been a, a brilliant journey, um, sort of personally and, and, and musically. Um, so I, I would always, I suppose, after finishing a, a project or a play, I, you know, I tend to always want to get out of the city. And so I, I started the journey of Juniper really uh, by doing the same thing, packing the car, heading west. Um, and I rented a little cottage uh, down in Roundstone in Connemara um, and spent about five weeks down there. And I was just there really just to sort of have some downtime and unravel the mind. And I guess over those few weeks initially, um, what became these notebooks filled with poetic kind of ramblings uh, I realized was the start of a new project which eventually became Juniper and uh, the reason it's called Juniper is uh, there's a stunning road between Roundstone and Clifton and it's it's this really beautiful undulating bog road and it's the kind of lesser traveled path towards Clifton and uh, on this road there was just this one particular tree that I, I was passing all the time and I, I just it had I had a presence it was really stunning um so I, I I spent a lot of time on that road and I ended up writing a song about about this this tree and I when I eventually looked up all the details about it I found out it was a juniper tree which is this remarkable remarkable tree that was the first tree to put its roots into Irish soil after the ice age 
and uh, it's the tree of that sheltered baby Jesus from Herod. It's the tree in Celtic and pagan times was the, the, the white smoke from the bark would help your soul pass to the other side. So it's full of magic, this tree, and it's certainly a tree of resilience and community and love and protection. And I think all those things are kind of qualities that we all need and look for in our lives. So it just felt like a very, uh, I suppose, important or nice way to, I suppose, frame the album because all of the songs have been written um, as a love letter to the landscape of Connemara, really, but with, um, I suppose, a sense of human emotion behind them as well. So it's definitely a, an album of place, um, as indeed the first one was about Nashville. I think that sounds very Nashville-like, the album. But this album is is certainly more of a, a landscape and uh, an ode to nature and certainly to, to the West. And was there ever any sense that you might actually go back to Connemara to record it? Or did you need to kind of remove yourself from that space to another wilderness, if you like, in Donegal? Well, I think we. I was open to really, uh, I suppose, I, I think that the, the, the quest, once I'd, once I'd made it in Connemara, it felt like it really had to be made here in Ar in Ireland, certainly. Um, uh, the record label are, are based over in Los Angeles, um, but it just felt it needed to be made here because it was so kind of connected to a sense of place. Um, so working with Carl Odlum, um, my producer on the album, um, Carl is a magnificent person and musician and and mixer every you can do everything you know he's he's, he's just this he's an enigma <laughs> himself uh, but Carl uh, took me up to uh, Donegal to Attica Studios and what was remarkable about being there was straight away I felt it was the place to make the album um, it has this huge beautiful glass window in the studio that looks out onto this very beautiful bleak desolate landscape and it felt like it was almost a continuation of the Connemara landscape experience that I'd had and so it just felt like the right place to do it a world-class studio but with a sense of the landscape about it so um also up there there's a huge room that we made the music in together so we were uh making the music as one unit as one collective so that was lovely because um it felt we were all just there together and you know we I, I felt as the singer as the as the songwriter of, of, of the material um really connected to the the live capturing of it as well so yeah it was a really special experience up there that landscape as well is just extraordinary um again i i we were driving over this bog road uh every day to to the studio and um yeah just felt like it was the right mm. place to be definitely i was going to ask you actually about the process you actually got in a room together and recorded basically as a live band is that the way you worked it yeah so we we had um we had this yeah this this beautiful space so we recorded it as one as one unit um so if one of us wanted to do another take of it we'd all go back to the start together and, and do it so that was exciting you know that felt very um i suppose being an actor as well and a, a creature of the stage that felt like the right way to do it because it's like capturing the lightning of a, of a, of a moment of a, of a of a series of of song and and it was nice to listen back to the to the various takes of each song and to be able to pick out the one where you feel most connected to the moment and where we all felt like, you know, the kind of the, you know, the tuning fork of us all is, yeah. is, is, is right, you know? So it was, it was a great way to do it. I think it was the most um, ex exciting way to do it actually. Um, 
Well, it certainly sounds exciting anyway and challenging. So exciting is one word for it. I would say, you know, were there ever times when you had done what you felt was your perfect vocal and somebody said, Jess, I, I don't think I got that right, lads. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's definitely, I mean, the thing was, it was, I have to say, it was, it, was so, it was so relaxing up there as well. I think we were so ready to be there. Um, you know, the writing took its own sort of time, time frame. To, you know, it had its own... Uh, I suppose cycle, uh, you know, within itself. When I felt ready to share these 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 pieces, and and certainly in by the time we got to Donegal, um, everything felt really prepped and really ready, but not so prepped that nothing could be captured even further, or the you know the the journey of the music couldn't go, you know, beyond a certain point. It was all about sort of enough preparation to allow you know the as they say the readiness is all, but uh, you know that really allowed this level of calm up there and pure joy I mean uh, we had a filmmaker up there with us um, you know and, and and what was great was we were able to really just be ourselves and not you know I wasn't feeling um, yeah there was a huge to-do list of course uh, every day to sort of try and achieve but there was a huge sense of uh, organization and, and and I felt completely safe and completely supported by the musicians who were just amazing um, and Carl of course being there so as a songwriter then, Lisa, when you arrive with this body of work that you're heading to the studio in Donegal, uh, do you allow it to, like your songs, you'll have definite ideas about the songs and how they're working and what works for you vocally and what works for you instrumentally. Do you allow it to evolve them with suggestions from other players or are you definite about the, the sort of the palette that you want? I think the palette is important, but I definitely want it always to evolve and to, you know, once you have the players that you, you really want to capture it with you, I think, you know, that's part of the beauty of, of how it's going to sound is that everybody's going to bring something of what they feel is right to the tone and the palette of, of the work. But certainly um, before getting to Donegal, I'd spent a lot of time with Carl um, prepping and evolving the pieces so that they were in a in a lovely state of, of demo-like kind of quality, but they were ready to be completely investigated further and and developed into these into the into what became Juniper. And um, so I think yeah for, for me it's the it's the colour of and the palette that the songs are making um more so than the specific intervals or, or how somebody's playing a specific note at, at a given time. I think this particular project was about capturing some of that sort of uh, space and that kind of expansiveness that was very much present in the landscape of Connemara. So you're not overly precious, let's say, when you arrive with this piece of work, you'll say, let's see where it can take us all kind of thing, is it? Exactly, yeah. So, Kieran, if you came along with your virtuoso playing, you know, I'd be delighted <laughs> that, <It's> a, <laughs> for a, you to bring. How <laughs> did he get in? It's a... <laughs> not at all. You're always welcome. Absolutely. No, I I know you mentioned that you're 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 working on the launch and that the 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 album is making its way in England and across the UK and in Scotland as well. And I talked to you about that in a few minutes. I would mind to take you back a little bit because people will be familiar with you as a member of Celtic Woman. How did you get involved in that project? Because that was huge internationally. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I suppose my journey with Celtic Woman actually began back at the Abbey Theatre, I would say. Um, my connection with David Downs was through the Chakron, uh, which we did uh, many, many years ago. Um, and David and I remained friends uh, since, since that sort of period of time. But I joined, uh, very separately then, joined Celtic Woman um, in 2011. And uh, coming at it, as an actor, I think I was probably 
the first to come at it from sort of such a, a classical acting background but obviously having been singing all my life it was sort of felt like a very natural progression um, but a terrifying one as well as an actor you know you're working on projects uh, hopefully you know kind of with with uh, you're working on lots of projects throughout the year so they're they have uh, their turnaround is much quicker and th this was an invitation to to travel around the world with Celtic women um, indefinitely in a, you know in a longer period of time so that felt very daunting and <laughs> different to what I had been used to but um it was a brilliant experience. It was uh, three and a half years, um, which I suppose in the lifespan of the whole show is, is, is relatively short. But what was amazing about being part of that, and I think what I've taken away from my time with it certainly has been the the scale of it. I think, uh, you know, to be playing to these, uh, you know, huge arena audiences, um, you learn so much as, you're, as a performer and, you know, yourself from being on the road, you, you have all this time to sort of, process so much and I suppose through that experience then it took me to Nashville which was the first stepping stone in the solo uh, album making kind of journey so that was so yeah absolutely my time with Celtic Woman led me to all roads led to Nashville from there. No of course you are passionate about your acting and you're passionate about your your singing as well and I, I think I might have asked you this before actually in a previous conversation going back a couple of years but I was curious as to which you know is it whatever you're doing at a particular time is what you're into at that time, if you know what I mean, or have you a preference? Um, it's a great question, Kieran. I get asked it quite often. Um, I, uh, you know, I think, I think music is, is my medicine really. Um, and it's the thing that I can do equally as much for myself as, 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 you know, as a performer, you know, I, especially during lockdown, you know, I've, I've, I found that, I, I feel very lucky that I have all the tools of of what I do sort of within me, you know, and they've, they've kept me really, um, I suppose, focused and um, content uh, within this new, found, crazy kind of global world that we're in. Um, but I, you know, acting and theatre is such a, is such, it's so, it's so part of my DNA. I've been doing it since I was three years old. Um, so I feel like it's important for me to have them both part of my journey as much as possible but I would say that you know when there's a piece of theatre where there's music involved in it um, I think there's an extra little uh, beat in my heart you know uh, or, 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 or a, you know a, just joy in my, in my step when I'm when I'm part of something with music um, I think it's definitely my medicine and the thing that I am working on I think at most at the moment is, is my music and it's given me yeah. It's music at the moment, but uh, the acting <laughs> career is just in abeyance just for this particular, well, I mean, of course, there's not, not too many theatres open anyway uh, for people to perform in. Uh, going back then to that uh, Hiding Away album, and this is, is not to the album itself, but a song from that heaven, uh, it, was, it featured members of Alone. It's a charity here in Ireland. Would you just tell us about your connection with Alone? Yes, Alone is this, is an amazing independent charity and they work with older people who are vulnerable, who um, are, are isolated, who are alone, um, who ha may have come across a lot of hardship and find themselves um, homeless. So it's this incredible body of people who work tire tirelessly um, with, with, with the elderly and they have an incredible uh, system of, of volunteers and I, I, I just really i suppose i didn't have any initial direct um connection with them but i i remember at a certain period of time I, I wanted to to do some some voluntary work with them and 
out of that connection, I realized that the song I had made on my album was sort of like a, a good platform to maybe highlight some of the work that alone does for 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 the elderly and uh, a lot of the mem- a lot a lot of the people who who are, who are part of alone are in the video and my dad is also in it at the end. There this you go, a little bit of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good bit of the trivia. The legend. <laughs> Uh, but I know, I know you're 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 passionate about that work that you do and and the charitable work you do, and also, and I couldn't let a conversation like this uh, pass us by really. But Brendan Grace, you were you were you played at the memorial concert for Brendan Grace. He was such an important figure in your life. He was an absolute one of the most beautiful people I've ever met, and um. I met I met Brendan when I was very very small and I I literally graced the stage with him um you know as a as a four or five six year old and he was I can still you know he was one of the kindest people I, I I've ever met and ever ever will meet I think um you know and it, it, I think when you're in those formative years and you're on stage and it's the, the you're you know the lights the the the, the sheer kind of glamour and scale of it is 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 so um it's so it, you, you'll never forget those moments and the people who you were surrounded with in, the, in those times and he was yeah so I've known him I've known him all my life and um you know making that documentary was really special with the Forget Me Not Squire and um you know it was tragically sad you know to, to sort of halfway through it have you know be singing it you know in his memory um so I think everybody, I think the nation still misses him and, you know, he'll, his memory will live on forever. He's, he's, he's one of a kind and, and, and truly, truly a, a true gent for sure. Certainly, no doubt, one of a kind. And this is where I'm kind of getting to. You mentioned the Forget-Me-Nots. That's a, a choir uh, in Dublin. And he actually worked a little with them as well. Um, but there's a chance that you might actually be doing a bit of work with them yourself soon? I hope so, yes, with your wonderful brother, Mike Hannon. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope there's there's more to come. Um, and certainly during lockdown, there was a whole series of lovely uh, webinars that we did. And I jumped on to one of those and mm-hmm. sang a couple of songs. And I saw all the familiar faces. And it was lovely to reconnect with them. And, you know, I think these kind of connections are, uh, they, they mean a lot to all of us. And I think in these times as well, it's great to sort of feel connected to other people and even if that is through the medium of a screen hopefully not forever but um absolutely i i look forward to collaborating with them in the future for sure and will you just briefly describe the choir the forget-me-nots who are they the forget-me-nots are an incredible bunch of people who are suffering from dementia and alzheimer's and it's it's based out in Baldoyle and it's run by a family of incredible women in memory of their mother. Uh, they've made this choir happen and uh, the members are truly special. There was an incredible documentary um, you know, where they're where they're all chatting away and, and, and talking about their own journeys and their own experiences and um you know what was lovely during lockdown was to see them all on screen um with in their own homes and with their with their family and friends uh, they're supporting and everybody singing i mean that's you know the, what's amazing about music is how it can bring people together and you know i i remember watching this, this documentary with my dad and he, he was even saying he's a great and my dad loves loves to sing so he was like i want to join those that, that's an amazing and you know it's open to everybody and it's it's really inclusive and 
it's about music being able to bring us all together and it really really does well, I think it's fantastic that you're doing that work and that you're going to be working on something with them which actually it's kind of part of my would be my next question is what exactly you did during lockdown because or what you are doing uh, during lockdown you certainly did a bit of work with the forget-me-nots what else have you been doing during this time so Kieran, I've been working really hard on um, on on Juniper actually, and um, the album came out on the third of April, which was just at the very start of of the lockdown period of time. So um, there was all sorts of tours planned and live shows planned, and all of that obviously had to change. And um, so with that in mind, you know, I've, I've been working really, I suppose, through through the computer really, um, on the album itself, on the publicity of it, and and the promotion, um. The album is now finally over in the UK, as you mentioned, and um, it's great. You know, it's it's great to hear it. Uh, through, you know, on, on BBC, it's been album of the week. It's uh, you know, this the, the it, it's it's uh, it's great to see that it still has has a life of its own and, and a journey to go on. Um, even though the world seems to be in slight pause, um, and I am working on uh, another album. I hope uh, I'm certainly writing an awful lot whilst. Uh, being slightly uh, confined to, to home and to Dublin. Um, so I, I've also been down in Connemara quite a bit um, since the lockdown eased a, a bit in the last month or two. And um, it's been lovely to have those long car journeys again and to get to listen to, to a lot of music for sure. And did you uh, revisit the juniper tree? I sure did. Yeah, I always, I always, <laughs> I always cross that fog road and uh, you know, it, it, it's an ancient, it feels timeless, that place, you know, so it's, it's lovely to see that it's, uh, you know, that landscape is just forever so beautiful and really inspiring. So I think, you know, it's an, it's an endless place of, of creativity and, you know, everywhere I go, I always have my notebooks with me. So uh, they're filling up slowly with new ideas. So I think, you know, I, I would love to see another project uh, evolving, certainly from this period of time, which is a music one for sure. Well, even uh, if for no other reason, but we got educated on the juniper tree on this conversation, <laughs> the Ice Age and pagan times and baby Jesus and all. I hadn't expected that sort of information. So it's been fantastic to hear all of that. Uh, it, the album is picking up a lot of interest, though, in the UK, isn't it? It's been great. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it had had a lovely, lovely spell on uh, BBC Radio Ulster. Um, it's also been album of the week with, BBC Sounds, um, BBC Radio Scotland have been playing it, and um, there's a lot of uh, folk shows uh, on the way that are going to be um, playing it. HMV have have supported it all the way, so it's in all all, all the ground shops and online. So it's it's great, um, you know, it's 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 a strange one not to be able to sort of be there in person, um, but it's certainly um, I suppose testament to the work of Carl as well, the producer, whose whose vision is really part of this album and uh, has certainly understood the sound I've been trying to capture um as 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 me. Um so hopefully that's a good solid ground for going forward. We certainly wish you the best with it. Uh we usually ask our guests here on the podcast to know what uh, they've been mu- listening to musically uh, when they haven't been working on their own work, let's say. So what have you been listening to during this period of lockdown? <laughs> well Kieran, you laugh when I, you might laugh actually. Um so I've been doing a lot of these long car journeys as I mentioned and um 
my my number one has been uh, I've been listening to Stockton Swing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I don't want to embarrass you too much, yeah. but um, I have to say my I have a great friend who I made uh, during the process of making my first album in Nashville, and that is the wonderful Fran Breen. Oh, brilliant! And yeah. uh, he's a, a, a gifted artist and a, and a wonderful man and himself and Rita. Uh, his wife and um, they've become great friends over the years and uh, during lockdown we were reconnecting and we were talking about all his great musical journeys and of course one of them was Stockton's Wing so it brought me to that fabulous place I mean it was lovely to get these long journeys to really listen um, you know songs like or pieces like the humours of Clonmolt and uh, you're playing I think on the clown diggers is absolutely amazing um, you know, they're just they're, they're beautiful pieces. Brian, all the greats are part of it. You know, Brian Masterson, of course, working yeah. with you as well. Um, sure, you know all these pieces. I'm, 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 <laughs> really, I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm really delighted. I asked you this question right now. <laughs> I know, I know, and I mean that 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 then brings you down the, the road of you know uh, another long time favorite of mine. I suppose this could be connected to the my love of of the great old songs is is Scarabray. And that's an album I've listened to for years. And, um, you know, I, I, I fell in love recently with the, 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 the songs of, uh, and the voice particularly of Kathleen Maud. And she was somebody I was listening to a lot during lockdown. And I bought myself a Shruti, um as well during lockdown. And I was, I suppose, uh, influenced by that haunting melodic quality in her voice. Um, it brought me to those old songs, particularly one, um, the Bothy band do actually, but it's Ban Canuck Erin. Yes. And um, I mean, there's a stunning version that Seamus Begley does as well with Oshin McDermott on an album called Lakela. So I've been kind of having this beautiful, I suppose, journey of, of traditional music and trying to educate myself as much as possible into the greats like yourselves. And, uh, you know, there's been there's been so many uh, lovely car journeys as a result of it. Uh, I think it's making me want to travel more and more <laughs> up and down. Um, and another album, I, 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 another artist I really love and who I listened to her new album, which came out um, during lockdown, is an artist called Sarah Jaros. Uh, she's a Grammy award winning artist, um, an amazing virtuoso banjo player, uh, which I know you'll appreciate, Kieran. Um, she's a really detailed songwriter and um, her new album is um, it's called World on the Ground. And that's that's uh, it, it's beautiful. Um, it's very kind of uh, raw and uh, it feels like she's just singing to you, which is which is gorgeous. But she's got many beautiful albums. One of my favourites is an album called Undercurrent. So that's from, I think, 2016. So I've been listening to her for many years, but uh, somebody she works with on her records is a man called Gary Pachosa, um, who's based in Nashville. And he also um, mixed my album, uh, Hiding Away, when I was there. So I think that connection initially happened through Fran and um, you know so let's I, I'm raising a glass to Fran Breen tonight definitely well we'll all do that that's, a, that's a, a wonderful memory I have to save him for myself on that one uh, Lisa we can only wish you the very best with Juniper and continued success in your acting career and in your singing career and we wish you the best too uh, with the new songs that seem to be coming your way at the moment so the very best of luck and thanks a million for joining us on the podcast thank you so much Kieran, and hopefully see you very soon thanks Emil. Thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast. For more information on Tradfest, go to tradfest.ie. Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company.